And my prayer right now is that every single one of us that calls you Father, that this morning would be able to see ourselves as you see us, and not as we see us. Holy Spirit of God, will you? Open the eyes of our hearts so that these truths that we know in our heads, that our Father sees us as perfect, as righteous, as holy, as beloved, that that truth would come alive in our hearts so that we would see us as you see us, not as we see us. That is the only way we can confidently sing Your will is perfect. Your ways are perfect. Help us right now to see us as you, our heavenly Father, sees us. Will you do that work? Will you do that work? Will you do that work? Amen. In many ways, I feel like I could and should say that every Sunday, because. I might not know you, but I know this about you: the extent to which we live our entire week, seeing ourselves as God sees us, and not as we see us, is the extent to which you will walk in here with confidence and joy, or will walk in here weary and discouraged. And I know that journey is hard, man. That 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 truth, so simple to see us as God sees us. It's so simple, and yet it takes a lifetime to learn. And it's yet the most critical. In a very simple way, that's literally all I do on Sunday mornings. I come up, and at some point, I'll point to the cross. And all I'm doing is I'm saying, "God, help them, help me, help us see ourselves as You see us." Truth of the gospel, because that affects everything we do. Would you agree with that, church? Yeah. Uh, so a handful of uh, kind of housekeeping announcements, and then. Uh, We need to get into what we need to get into today. One is uh, pastors Caitlin and Michael are away this weekend. Keep them in your prayers. We love informing you when pastors are away. Caitlin is in Korea for two weeks. Um, and Pastor Michael is in Phoenix, Arizona for our denomination annual meeting. So keep them in your prayers. Today, right after church, there's a luncheon. It's called Connections Luncheon. Just ignore that if it's possible. It's a luncheon essentially to uh, serve those of you that are not connected and serving in any way. To get an opportunity over lunch to find out opportunities to serve, and we have about eight, nine people signed up. And I was told by our staff that we have room for like five, six more. And so, if you would join us, please, if you are not serving or connected in any way, 
Okay? It's in the conference-slash lounge next wing as soon as you go up the stairs. Uh, next Sunday is a very special Sunday. Uh, we are going to have Michael Emerson, who is one of our own, um, author of Divided by Faith and a number of other books. He's one of the leading sociologists looking at the issue of race and faith and culture. He's become a good friend of mine, and I'm thankful for his family. Anyway, he's speaking next Sunday. So if you have friends and folks you've been wanting to invite, and can you think of a more critical time than now as we look at not just here but globally? What does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to live into this well? Uh, your pastor is going to be speaking at Wheaton College. It's the only time I go to Wheaton when I get invited to speak. Sorry, Wheaton alums. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, there is a national evangelism conference, and I've been asked to speak. And so I'm going Thursday morning uh, to speak. So if you would keep your pastor in your prayers. It's for pastors and church leaders across the country. Um, and pray that God would... Uh, Speak through me. Um, and then before we jump in today, I, I, I want to say, say this. Um, you guys know that the church that we are and who we are, when, when tragic events happen nationally or globally, they capture the attention and imagination. Your pastor takes time to talk about it as related to our faith and our church. Three weeks ago, 40. 49 folks were killed and many more injured in the horrendous attack in Orlando. And thankfully, I have only a couple of people who approached me and said, aren't you going to say something? This is new community after all. You do say something. And I've told these folks, I said, thank you for realizing that we as a church are not afraid to shy away from difficult topics and talk about them. The reason why we haven't talked about it for two reasons. Number one, uh, your pastor me, I'm really more deliberate when it comes to speaking on very complex issues, and I don't want to be flippant. So I need to sit on it. Do you hear me? I need to sit on it. So that we don't care. I, I could have easily on this Sunday come up and said, church, it was terrible what happened to Orlando. Let's pray and be done with it. I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. It's not Jesus. So I've been waiting and I'm going to, again, your pastor's vulnerable on I, I thought I was ready today. I kind of came prepared, but I'm not ready today. I'm not ready today. I will next Sunday. I will next Sunday. Because here's what I'm realizing. It's not enough for us just to pray. I feel like we need to do something. And I've been asking and praying, God, God, what, 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 do, what do you want us to do? And I haven't heard. I don't think I've heard. Like, God, what? Because I don't want us to, again, just pray and be done with it and move on. I feel like we need to respond in some way, along with prayer. So I I just want to put that out there for you, A, to extend grace to your pastor and your church, but also to be praying for us as a leadership and how we address this in a way that honors Christ and is radically loving. Okay? So for those of you that have been waiting and saying, please say something, please say something, I will. And we will. Okay? Today, um, I've had this day circled for like 
three months because today is kind of the culmination of, if you're new to our church, for 14 years we've been praying for a building to call our home. Six months ago we moved in, a little over six months ago. And three months ago we began this capital campaign called Imagine Stewardship Challenge to raise funds. And today is kind of the culmination of what this Sunday represents. And I want to show you how much we have pledged so far. Can you put that up, please? When three months ago we stood up here and we said 1 million low goal, 1.25 medium, 1.6 goal, I got to be honest with you. All of us in leadership sat around and were like, we ain't going to do 1.6. And of course, God. Thank you, CC. God always does this. He exceeds our expectations. Amen? I'm going to be honest. Lack of faith. Huge part of this. Lack of faith. And I'm thankful that you guys responded the way you did. Because I was a little worried last Sunday when when Caitlin kind of mentioned. And I was watching everybody. And people were like, very polite clap. That is amazing. That is amazing. I'll tell you why it's amazing. Do you know what that number represents? That number represents people in our church giving money that they were saving up to buy a house. That number represents people giving savings that they were saving for retirement. And by the way, they're not 30 years old. These are folks in their 50s entering into their 60s. In other words, they're on the cusp cusp of retirement and they're giving their savings. This represents people in our church saying, I heard you loud and clear and tithing is what I've done all my life and I've been feeling, you know, kind of comfortable and kind of... And this represents people in our church going, I'm going to blow past a tithe. This represents people in our church, large numbers of people in the church going, I am going to change my lifestyle. In order to give to God's work. That's what that number represents. As I'm blown away by it. I am blown away by it. We began this journey saying, if all we did was raise money, it would have been a failure, right? We all began this journey saying, God, do some work in our hearts. Because if we raise money and we go back to the exact same way we've lived our lives, it makes no difference. We said, God, and the testimonies that I've heard are people saying stuff like, I used to say I trust God, but it was theoretical. Now it's tangible. I used to say I believe and have faith in God, but now, Peter, it's for real, for real. This represents folks in our church saying, my life in some ways will never be the same as a result of what God is doing. And I shared with somebody uh, this week, I'm also, I just want to thank you, not for your generosity only, but I just want to thank you. Because during the sermon series, I would go home sometimes and and I'd hear this voice in my head. It was like, why do you have to preach such hard messages? chill out a little bit and I'd hear that voice in my head and I'd go home and I'd be like God they're gonna just leave the church but it's been amazing because I've heard folks come up and saying do you realize that the only reason why we are here is because we speak truth and love to each other 
And we don't sugarcoat things. So even as I challenge all of us to go below past what we've always thought was generosity, having people stand up and it's, it's been an absolutely amazing experience even for me to see you church respond. Really, truly remarkable. God, God is good. God is good. Having said all that, even as we celebrate this enormous milestone um, in the life of our church, what I want to talk to you about, not really a sermon, think of it as like a, a pastoral letter. What I want to talk to you about is going to be so counterintuitive, you're going to be like, today you're going to talk about that? Yeah, today I'm going to talk about this. Because what I want to just talk about today is for some of us will be a reminder of what we've always talked about at New Community. For some of us, it will be brand new. For some of us, it will be a paradigm shift. Because here's the thing. I'm just going to put it out there and then we'll unpack it. The city of Chicago will not be transformed because we own a building. Can I say it again? City of Chicago will not be transformed because of own a building. The city of Chicago will be transformed to the extent, listen carefully, that you and I embrace our identity and mission as God's sent people who realize that a building is just a tool to equip us so that we could live our lives Monday through Saturday out there for the kingdom. Uh, uh, uh. No, no, listen, because I've heard conversations, and this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing people going, I can't wait for people to show up and bring them and the activities here and all, which is great. But I want to today, on this historic day, where we go, woohoo, building, remind us that the city of Chicago will be transformed to the extent, listen, that we take the church in here, out there, and not wait for... Listen, people to come into the church. And this day, I need to just hammer this away. Because this day, this day, this day, June 26th, 2016, will go down as the day in which you and I, New Commissioner's family, celebrated the incredible work that God did. But that work is not idolize the building and saying, this is beautiful. But it's the day in which we recognize God has been faithful in providing a tool for us so that now we could live out our lives on mission out there. I, oh, thank you that some of you are resonating with this. Because I've heard some of you, others of you loud and clear that said, will you please make sure that we don't just get into this safe, comfortable mode? We, no, we will not. We will not. Jesus said these two words. These two verses, and we're going to look at John 17, 15. I'm asking that you take them out of the world, but that you guard them from the evil one. Verse 18, in the same way that you gave, 
It's in the same way that you gave me a mission into the world. I give them a mission into the world. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, so I am now sending you. And if you're sitting, why are you on this day talking about this? This is the reason why. Because when we planted this church 14 years ago, the goal was not to create a wonderful, great church for ourselves. The goal was that we would transform the city of Chicago as we lived our lives in a way that expressed the gospel. Do you hear me? That was the entire goal. And what Jesus says here that I want to remind us about today is that he gives us an identity and a mission. And the identity, he says, his words were sent People, even as Jesus was sent into the world by his father. And our identity, our mission is we are sent into the world to proclaim in word and to demonstrate indeed that the rule and reign of God is here and is coming. This is our identity. This is our mission. And my fear is that we... If, you just, if you're not concerned about this, man, you better affirm this morning that this is not going to be us. My fear is that we'll fall into this dangerous trap that many churches fall into when they get into a building. And that is they go, how do we get the world into the church rather than how do we get the church of Jesus Christ that is alive and real out into the world? I'll tell you, that could not be more different. And many churches all of a sudden spend all this energy, time, and focus on what's happening here, activities here, rather than thinking about how to be kingdom ambassadors out there. The life of the church is the heart of God. And the heart of God, we know the heart of God is I came to seek and save that which is lost. The heart of God. It's like the shepherd, Jesus says, who leaves the 99 in the pen and goes out looking for that one that's lost. The heart of God is always outward, seeking, redeeming. The church cannot survive when the heart of God is not beating within her church. A church that lives for itself will die by itself. Is that us? Is that us? We have this amazing facility to do ministry. And don't get me wrong, I am absolutely amazed and astounded at the opportunities that we have to do ministry here. But please get this. All the stuff that has been here has a so that component to it. We, we worship together. We encounter God in worship. We gather corporately to remind ourselves we're not isolated individuals. We are the people of God who have been called together in community. But we do this so that you could walk out there and be his kingdom ambassador. Monday through Friday, we gather in small groups, men's groups, women's groups, mom's groups. We gather so that we can encourage each other, be accountable. But there is a so that we are propelled outward to be his kingdom ambassadors. There's a pattern found throughout the Bible. Jot this down. There's a pattern throughout the Bible. And it is this, God never calls you in without at the same time radically calling you out. God never calls you in without at the same time. They go together, radically calling you out. A disciple of Jesus, someone who's called radically in. Sven, come on in. Come on in. 
I don't want you to know God from afar, but through Christ, come in and experience intimacy. You can know this God intimately. Come in so you could be healed. You could be blessed. But at the very same time, they go together at the very same time. He says, what? I now send you radically out. Go. As I've blessed you, be a blessing. As I've healed you, be a source of healing. Throughout the Abraham, come on in. Abraham, come on in. Look at the stars. Can you count them? Your generation be as numerous as the stars. Now what does he say? Go into a land. I will show you. Moses, come on in. And come. Don't see it before. Come. Come. Experience and stand on holy ground where I'll transform you from a stuttering prophet who can't and is afraid to speak to a bold, courageous prophet who goes to the Pharaoh and says, now let my people go. I call you and send you out. Isaiah. Isaiah 6. Isaiah, come on in. Let me touch your lips. Let me cleanse you from your sins. What do you say? Now, who will go for us? There is no pattern in the Bible where God doesn't call you radically in just so that he could send you out. The only reason why you and I receive a blessing is so that we could be a blessing unto others. The only reason why we experience healing is so that we can be instruments of healing to others. I call you in, I call you out. I call you in, I call you out. This is throughout the Bible. God sets this pattern from the very beginning. God sets this pattern of I call you in, so I call you out from the very beginning of redemptive history. As he calls the people of God Israel and begins to form a covenant people with him. We find this story in Exodus 19, 3, that Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. You will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you'll be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. From the very beginning, God establishes his pattern for ministry. What is it? He calls a group of people, enters into a covenant relationship with them. Why? So that they could sit together once a week in small groups and talk endlessly about how great it is that we've been rescued. God says, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have a mission. Their identity is kingdom of priests and a holy nation. What does a priest do? Here's what a priest did. A priest represented the divine being. And the priest's job was to mediate the divine being in such a way that the watching world would be able to see through the priest what that divine being that priest represented was like. And God says, I am forming for me a people who will represent me to a watching world what I'm like. God says, I'm looking for a body. I'm looking for hands. I'm looking for feet. I'm looking for tangible, visible representation of what I'm like. People to be priests to the watching world. Do you know what this means? This means that the medium is the message. What do I mean? If you're a Christian, you don't just have a message to share. You are the message. You are the message. The medium is the message. We are the message. What is the gospel according to you? What is the gospel as far as the world is concerned according to you and me? 
What is the gospel that they see spoken and demonstrated through us as ambassadors and priests of this king? The medium is the message. It's from here that we get this powerful insight. Jot this down. The church doesn't express for us. We are the church existing for the world. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church existing for the world. Say this with me, church. I need you to hear you say it. Ready? Here we go. The church doesn't exist for us. We are the church existing for the world. I know this is elementary for some of us, but I need to remind all of us once again. We don't go to church. We don't attend church. We what? We, we are the church. You are the church. I am the church. And now that we have a building, the danger is even greater. I go to church. 2640. Is that there? 2649? I should know our church address by now. I go to, and what do we mean? I go to a building, physical location. I go to an address. I go to church. I attend a worship gathering. And the Bible says, you are the church. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, where you are. We are the church. We, are, we don't go to church. We don't attend church. I hate that language. I go to church. Are you going to church? A, we are the church existing for the sake of the world. You know what else this means? This means that we have an identity. You know what the identity is? We are sent people, not church shoppers. We are sent people, not spiritual consumers. If you understand this, our posture shifts from a spiritual consumer here to get and be fed to sent kingdom ambassadors existing for the sake of the world. We don't, as a new community church, exist, I'm going to be very clear, to feed you. My job is to teach you to feed yourself. Some of us are like spiritual bulimics. We starve ourselves all week and then we gorge on Sundays. Do you understand our identity? Do you understand our mission, church? I I realize that I sound like a crazy man in America because right now, Hundreds and thousands of churches throughout Chicagoland area basically go, we will cater these services in such a way that you come and consume our spiritual goods and go about your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, that will never happen at New Community. So this church might not be for you. (laughs) See, here we go again. I hear that voice in my head like, why you preach these messages? Don't you want a big church? Honestly, I want a faithful church. Thank you, church. Because I got to tell you, can your pastor be vulnerable honest with you this morning? I'm just like any other pastor out there. I wish I pastored a big congregation. I do. I do. And there are days when I struggle with this more than others. I wish our budget was like millions and millions of dollars and we could do whatever we want to. 
But I want you to know, your pastor, and the day that I stop being this is the day that I'm going to resign. I know this is hyperbolic, but I'm serious. I'm going to, the day that I measure success in our church by how many people are sitting on Sundays, the day that I'm going to resign as your pastor, because you don't need me to be your pastor. The day that I care more about budget than people's lives being transformed is the day that I'm going to resign as his pastor, go do something else. The day that we count how many missionaries we send rather than is everybody on mission is the day that I find somebody else to do this. Because Jesus defines success that way. Jesus defines success that way. Listen to his words in John 4, 34. Look, the context, by the way, is Jesus is meeting with the woman at the well. And the disciples have gone into uh, town to buy food. And Jesus, of course, telling her that he is the living water. So anyway, they come back, John 4, 34. He says to the disciples, look, food is good, but that's not the important priority today. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. Look out upon the fields and see these people coming. They are the most important thing. That is the way we think when we embrace our identity as sent people. That is the way we think. We say, food is good, but the most important thing in my life is that I get up on Monday morning and I fulfill the mission for which Jesus sent me. How do you know if you're a sent person? I'll tell you. Majority of Christians wake up in the morning on Monday and they go, I've got some things I want to get done. I hope God blesses me. A sent person says, God has something for me to do. And I hope he empowers me. To fulfill that thing that he's called me to do. And those two could not be more different. How are you going to get up tomorrow morning? How am I going to get up tomorrow morning? Do we get up and go, I've got my 15 to-do list and I hope God helps me. We even do the breathing exercise. I can't. You can't. Help me to do what I want to do. Or do we get up tomorrow morning and we go, God, I'm sent. I've been sent to my work, to my home as a mom. I've been sent to that school as a teacher. I've been sent to that neighborhood. I've been sent to my office with those crazies. I've been sent to these people. And I know you have a mission for me to do. And the mission is not something in general. The mission is I've got particular people you want me to talk to. I've got particular conversations you want me to have. I've got particular things you need fulfilled to fulfill your mission. Now, God, will you empower me to do that? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, he creates each of us by Christ Jesus. This, by the way, is my life verse. To join him in the work he does. Everybody say it together with me. To join him in the work he does. One more time. To join him in the work he does. The good work which he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing. I'll tell you what that verse says to me. That means there's not a single person in here. I don't care who you are, what you do. When you get up tomorrow morning, God says, I have already prepared someone for you to talk to. I've already prepared somebody's hand I want you to hold. I've already prepared someone whose heart is troubled that I need you to comfort. You don't have to wonder, does God have things for me to do? He says, I do. The posture, though, is do we go, God, I have things I want to do. Join me in it. Or do we go, he's got things he wants me to do. I'm going to join him. Which is it? Which is it? This is amazing to me because I see Christians, followers of Jesus, living aimless, purposeless lives. This is unbelievable to me. 
And many of us are waiting for some big gigantic, like I'm lost, I'm confused. You know where you need to start? Start talking to that one person that God has planned for you to talk to. Then all of a sudden, you'll get clarity about the big things of your future. What makes you think God's going to be like, I'm going to reveal these grand plans to you when he's going, dope, there's that opportunity you missed. Dope, there's that opportunity. Dope, 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 dope. And then on Saturday, we go, God, what's my future? And God's going, you missed 20 people that I appointed you to talk to throughout the week because you were so busy and wrapped up in, I got to do, I got to do, my agenda, my goals, I got to do, I got to do, my agenda, my goals. You can't go into New Testament far church before you come across this theme over and over again. Jesus is constantly saying, Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Just as my father formed himself, a group, a covenant people. Church is not a new idea, it's just a rebirth. Just as God formed himself a covenant people, so now I am forming through my death and resurrection a covenant people to call my own the body of Christ, hands and feet of Christ, tangible people to be sent out into the world. We only have time to look at one verse in the New Testament where Jesus gets to this. Luke chapter 9 verse 1. This is literally, we're talking, we're talking uh, uh, passage after passage. I'm just look at one. When Jesus had called the 12 together. By the way, it's an accident. Israel, 12 tribes. 12 disciples. New Israel. The church. You know, another sermon. Okay. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Echoes of Exodus 19. You will be for me a kingdom of priests. Your identity and mission is sent people. You are not just saved from something. You are saved for something. And God who has been working the past is now working in the present and guess what church he's awaiting for us in the future and God says I've given you a mission I've given you a kingdom mission to make a difference and you notice and I love this what are we called out to do and I have time to unpack this today because we talk about this throughout the year look at the mission that they're given he says do what I did which is not just preaching the gospel of the kingdom is not just talking it's doing They don't just go to tell the gospel. They go to proclaim and demonstrate it. It's not just words of the gospel. It's the deeds of the gospel. The ministry of Jesus wasn't just about restoring our souls with God. But restoring all aspects of fallen creation. His ministry was mending every fabric of creation that's fallen. Spiritually, physically, culturally, socially. Do you know why this is important? I'll tell you why. You don't have to be a preacher to do God's kingdom work. Is that good news? You don't have to be a pastor to do kingdom work. God says, anything you do is kingdom work in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? Anything you do is kingdom work. I can't say this enough. Anything you do is kingdom. I was talking with a guy named Sky Jathani, who is uh, becoming a good friend. He's written a couple books recently. And he said this. He said, Peter, I've looked at 10 years of past evangelical Christianity. And he said this. He says, I have 50-year-olds now coming to me from my church and saying, our church doesn't affirm my kingdom work out in the world. 
as an engineer, doctor, lawyer, nurse, mom, dad. He says all the church wants to talk about is do church work, do church work, do church work, do church work. And he says there are now people in the church who are saying, if you are not going to affirm my kingdom call out there, I'm not interested. And he says there is a movement now, even old 20, 30 somethings, I don't have to tell you, I'm preaching the choir. You sitting there going, if the church ain't going to equip me for what I do out there, why would I want to show up on Sundays? I'm going to sleep in. But that's happening amongst 40 year olds, 50 year olds, and 60 year olds. Do you know why that's happening? Because Jesus never intended ministry to be relegated within the church, but everywhere you are. And if you're not fulfilling that mission where you are, of course there's going to be a sense of, well, I'm not a youth pastor or teacher or Sunday school and teaching now. But God says, that's not what I intended. The kingdom of God is wherever Jesus is present. Hello? And that means that ministry happens everywhere. So what does this mean? Oh, what does this mean? Three things for our church. Real quick insights. Three things for our church, and then I'm done. Following our theme of imagine, we began this stewardship challenge. Imagine, somebody said, is it from the Beatles song? And I go, who are the Beatles? No, I'm not, I'm just kidding. Thank you, Cece. I said, no, actually, it's from Ephesians 3, verse 21, when Paul says, God is able to do immeasurably more than what we ask, or what? Imagine. So here's what I pray for our church on this historic day as we celebrate how generous people have been. Three things. One, we imagine a church on mission rather than a church that supports missions. We imagine a church on mission rather than a church that supports missions. What do I mean? A church on mission is a church in which everyone realizes that they've all been sent Moms, dads, your, co- your, your vocation, every one of us, doctors, lawyers, nurses, engineers, everyone, garbage pickers, baristas, everyone, everyone has been sent. We are all sent ones. A church that supports missions is a church where vast majority of the people fail to realize this divine call, and we basically look at who are the pastors, who are the missionaries. We need to be a church where everybody recognizes that we are missionaries sent ones out into this neighborhood and the city of Chicago. Can I get an amen? We are not going to be a church where a handful of us are living sent ones lives where the rest of us sit and just cheer the rest of us on. The entire church is on mission. I heard a pastor once say that the local church is the hope of the world. That has emotional appeal, but I think it's lacking. I don't think the local church is the hope of the world. I think Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I know what they mean. The local church has a tangible, visible role. Absolutely, absolutely. We are called to manifest as a kingdom of priests to the watching world. But when you go local church is open, the local church is open, we erroneously sometimes elevate local church ministry to a higher status, and we devalue the kingdom work that you guys do out in the world. We're not going to do that here. We're not going to do that here. 
We're not going to elevate. We're not going to elevate church ministry to a higher status and say, if you're a mom, that's not as valuable. If you're a teacher, that's not as valuable. If you're an engineer, that's not as valuable. We are going to say your kingdom call in your office and your workplace is just as valuable, if not more, than what I do. Do you know why? I can't be where you are Monday through Friday being Jesus. The amazing thing, though, is that if we get this, check this out. If we get this, there will not be a need to go, please get involved in the church. You know why? Because we will realize, huh, if we're all called to be missionary sent ones out there, that means that the local church is incredibly important to equipping and training kingdom ambassadors for this work out there, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? So we realize, holy cow, I know how hard it is for me to be that barista in that coffee shop 40 hours. I know how hard it is to be a nurse. I know how hard it is to be a mom. And if it's that hard for me, what about all? And I know what I need to be equipped and trained by my church family. And so we, all of us, and realize none of us can afford to just sit in our pews and do nothing. We are critical to equipping one another to be effective kingdom ambassadors out there. So all of a sudden we go, Kid City, holy cow, Kid City, what are we doing? What are we doing? Here's what we're doing. We are training and discipling our children to be kingdom ambassadors in their schools and friends. Is that important? To which you go, shoot, I got to get involved. Is community important? Is small group community where you're fed, you're encouraged, is that important? Of course it's important. I told somebody, Bridget, Bridget and I were talking about, I said, it's not enough for Christians to gather just once a week. Think about the lies we come and here, throughout the week. And we think being around with Christians for an hour of superficial conversation is going to dislodge the lies? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? But how important is small groups? It's incredibly important. What does that mean? That means you realize, I need to be a leader providing spaces for kingdom ambassadors to be equipped so they can go out the next day and be Jesus. Isn't that odd? It's because we haven't embraced this larger kingdom mission that our church sometimes struggles finding volunteers because you see no connection to why that's important. Second thing, we see and imagine our church (sighs) full of missionaries rather than a church full of members. (laughs) I hate that word membership. Anybody else? Because it's not a biblical word. You know what a biblical word is? Marriage, covenant, discipleship. That's a member. But you know what I mean? We go, wow, member. But here's what we're doing. In the church, we are creating two classes of people. Members are, I'm totally committed. (laughs) Non-members, you know, I show up. We are all missionaries. There is no distinction between members and non-members. Can I get an amen? If we get this, the question is not about what. The only question is where. It's about geography. I am a missionary. Where is my mission field? That's the only question. Is it in my office? Yes. Is it in the home? Yes. Is it in my neighborhood? Yes. Is it in my uh, classroom? Yes. It's in all of these spheres. Jesus said so in Acts 1 verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Oh, I should explain why I did that. Oh, because I see here Jesus saying, 
The people that I will empower with my spirit are people who are living in mission. If you are not experiencing the power of the spirit, question to ask is, are you on mission? And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Here's how kingdom ministry works. And this, by the way, church, is so important for our church right now. And I'll tell you in a second why. Here's how kingdom ministry works. Before you go across the world, you go across the street. Before you think about going to Liberia, if you live in Logan Square, you walk Logan Square. Kingdom ministry starts right where you are. Then the city, then the world. So my question is this. Do your neighbors know that you're a follower of Jesus? Do your coworkers see someone who works with integrity, displays the fruit of the Spirit, is harder working than anybody else? Do your neighbors see someone who's not just talking, but demonstrating the love, justice, and peace of Christ? What about the restaurants you eat at, coffee shops, gyms you work out at? What about your Jerusalem? Do people know, are you witnessing, are you living your life as a witness in Jerusalem? Ministry, mission, we walk across the street, then we walk across the city, then we go over to the world. Now, this isn't to say people aren't called to overseas missions, but here's my concern. My concern is some of our neighbors don't even know they were Christians. And we've been living there for 10 years. Some of our coworkers don't even know they were followers of Jesus. Mission starts right where you are. Real quick. Our church right now is in a very, very delicate, sensitive state. What do I mean? Our mission literally to walk across the street to our neighbors here is critical. There are some folks in this block, not all of them, some folks in this block, who are nervous and wary about the fact that we have all of this ministry happening out of here. And Pastor Caitlin and I, and I haven't shared with you guys for months because I didn't feel like I needed to. Pastor Caitlin and I and some other leaders have been meeting closely with the neighbors to say to them, Listen very carefully. We are here to be good neighbors, not just to our homeless folks and people minister to, but to you as our neighbors. We are here to love you as well as the rest of the city. Listen, listen. This situation is far from being peaceful. But as I look at this text, I am more convicted now than ever. Peter, you best get this right. Make sure that your church and your church family is a light to all the neighbors on your very block before you talk about being a light to the rest of the city. Can I get an amen? Church, this, this is how ministry works. Walk across the street. Then the city. Then the world. Lastly, we imagine being an inviting church rather than a welcoming church. (laughs) I said this to Caitlin 
Oh, I'll go. She's like, shoot, we're not even welcoming. <laughs> it's like, why? Come on. We're welcoming. It's like, no, we could work even on just being welcoming. And I said, well, this is why I want to share this. Why? Why put it this way? Because here's the thing. It's all about posture. It's all about posture. Welcoming is a church where people stay and passively wait for people to show up. Inviting is what? We go We don't just sit here, home court advantage, and say, well, when visitors and guests show up, let's try our best to feel them, make them feel welcome. Inviting has a missional posture where we are going out into our neighbors' backyards and their neighborhood and saying, come and see the one who transformed my life. You see the difference? Passivity, welcome, or uh-uh, active agents of the kingdom where we are going out into the world developing kingdom relationships folks as God opens doors inviting them to be a part of what God is doing here inviting versus welcoming Part of my talk for Thursday when I go speak to these pastors is I'm going to say many churches in America are becoming an irrelevant entity because we fail to recognize this missional call on our lives as sent ones. I'll tell you what would happen if the church lived our identity as sent people. What would happen is that folks might say they're not interested in God but they're not going to blame the church and use that as an excuse. If we are genuinely living our lives as sent people out into the world, people might say, I'm not interested in Christianity, but it won't be because of Christians living hunkered down, passive, we wait until they come, lives, while we throw you know, truth bombs out into the culture. We have been blessed in order to be a blessing church. We have been called in in order to be called out. And the church will experience renewal once again when she recaptures the essence of what she is about and why she exists. Can I leave you with the promise of God? CC, come on up. And that is this. When God sends us, he goes with us. When God sends us, he goes with us. When God sends us, and I need you to remember this for the next two minutes. When God sends us, he goes with us. For this sermon, I've been meditating on Matthew 28, and then I realized something. The Great Commission, you guys. I realized that the two, the, two, the two promises that bracket the word go is my authority and I am with you always. In other words, the promises that bracket our missional call is God's authority and God's power and God's presence. Is that good news? Is that good news? In case we're sitting here going, this incredible, challenging, difficult, hard call, Peter, to live out our lives as kingdom missionaries, as sent ones, this promise that God's divine presence and God's divine power goes with us is enormously encouraging to me. First, God's divine power. If God calls you to cross the Red Sea, he's going to give you a boat. He's going to enable you to swim. He's going to part the Red Sea. But he's going to make sure that the call that he has on your life, you will be able to fulfill in Christ's name. He is. 
The other promise though that's super encouraging for me is this, is that God's presence. That means that wherever our mission is, and please listen, wherever our mission is, as teachers, doctors, moms, dads, wherever our call is, God says, I will go with you. Here's what that means for me, and then I'm done. In Ephesians, Paul says this, he's writing to, and he says this often to the church in Ephesus. And he says, remember when Christ came and preached to you. When Christ came and preached, the thing is, historically, Jesus never went to Asia Minor. Paul is saying, when you, Christian, went to Ephesus to preach, Christ went and preached. See, Jesus says, please listen. There is an intimate, inextricable link between you and me in such a way that when I send you out, And you speak, guess who's speaking? Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, so when you go out and you hold the hand of that person who is hurting, guess who's holding that person's hand? Jesus is. He says, when you give a cup of cold water to that person who's thirsty, an act of compassion and mercy, it's not just you doing it. Jesus, my power and my presence in some mystical, tangible way is going through you in such a way that my love will come in your love. My words will come in your words and your acts of mercy and compassion, my acts of mercy and compassion will come in. We don't go alone. We don't go on our power. He says, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And what you do, that's me doing through it, through you. Where he sends us, he goes with us. Let's pray together. Oh, church family. Church family. Wow. The city of Chicago and then possibly the world can be transformed if enough disciples of Jesus live their lives in ways that express the gospel where they live, where they work, where they play, wherever they are. This city can be different. We could change the fabric of this broken, messed up, unjust, inequality-filled, spiritually hungry and starving city. This city, can you see it? Can you see it? Can you see it? And our call, church, is nothing less, nothing short of the hundreds of you that call yourselves disciples of Jesus, fulfilling the mission for which God has called you with his promise that his power and his presence goes with you. As students, as parents, as moms, as dads, as engineers, as office workers. That is our mission, to see the city change. Do you see it? Can you see it? Can you imagine it, church? Can you imagine it? Are you willing to step out? Are you willing to step out? 
church family. God has done an amazing thing of showing up, showing us that he is indeed sovereign and good. And I tell you, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, church, I'll tell you, church, right now, right now at this moment, how is your life as a sent one? How is it? Where are you? Where am I? How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing? How are we doing living as kingdom ambassadors to the mission field that God has called us to? Do they know about the love of Christ? Can they see the goodness and the compassion and the mercy and the justice of Christ? Can, can they hear and see someone who is a tangible, physical expression of the body of Christ? So before I pray, and we sing this last song as we give our tithes and offering, will you just pray this prayer right where you are, right where you are. Just pray this prayer. The prayer of Ephesians 2.10, God, help me to join you in the work you're doing in the mission you've already prepared for me. Help me to join you in the work you're doing in the mission you've already prepared for me. One more time. God, help me to join you in the work that you're already doing in the mission you have prepared for me. Whether that be your children, your coworkers, your patients, your friends, your neighbors, your kids. God, help me to join you in the work you're doing in the mission you have for me. God, help me to join you in the work you're doing in the mission. you have prepared for me open my eyes to see the harvest that is plentiful open my eyes to see the people who need you Jesus help me to join you in the work you're doing and the mission you have for me help me to see the harvest that is plentiful yet the workers are few help me to join you in the work you're doing the mission you have for me We, by the power of the Holy Spirit, have been called. Sent one is your identity. Kingdom work is your mission. All facets. And Father, I'm reminded right now, if I pray for offering, that there are men and women in our church who are already doing this. Oh, and I am so thankful blown away, amazed. The men and women in our church doing life with their Muslim neighbors and their Hindu neighbors 
people in our church sharing the gospel and living their lives, embodying it with their non-Christian friends. There are people, men and women in our church who've already already made an impact wherever they are. And I celebrate their work. I celebrate their kingdom ministry. I celebrate their kingdom mission. Continue to use them. Continue to shine your light through them. Continue, God, to work powerfully in and through them, God. I release them to you this week as they go back to their mission field for the sake of the gospel. And then for the rest of us who've been living passive perhaps even cowardly apathetic lives when it comes to mission work wherever we are convict us by the power of your Holy Spirit may we get up tomorrow morning with the fresh vision and fresh sense of mission God for the people places and things where you have placed us may new community be a church full of missionaries not members. May we imagine a church that is radically on call for the ways that you have called us. May we, may we be a kingdom force in the city of Chicago. And God, we give our tithes and our offerings to you. As you have so blown us away, God, by your generosity to us and the sacrifice of your son. May we be radically generous people as we have been, as we've been learning to God, trusting that everything belongs to you, trusting that everything comes from you and trusting that as we sow into your kingdom work, God, that you will provide for our needs. May we that faith and trust propel us, God, to be radically, radically generous kingdom people that will make an impact on this city and beyond for the sake of your glory and your name and your fame. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, Amen.